Hey, everybody. So glad you're joining us today. If you are listening or watching for the first time ever, special welcome. My name is Jason Wooliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroads, and just so glad to have you. We're almost through our fall study of the New Testament book of 1 John, written by the Apostle John around 90 AD. Today we are in chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. So hear this reading from God's holy word. John writes, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, I just pray that you would fill our hearts today as we study your word. Pray that you would visit each and every one of us through your spirit. And I pray that you would help us to believe more fully or even believe with all of our hearts for the first time. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So more and more, I've been getting spam calls on my cell phone from unidentifiable numbers, and I just let them go to voicemail. But as I was reviewing the messages that are left by these spam callers, I find that they're almost all the exact same. It's a pre-recorded message from an honest-sounding woman named Cindy who says that my business has been pre-approved for an instant line of credit or loan for anywhere from ten dollars to $500,000. And in order to access this money instantly, I just need to call back and give a little information. Now, I don't really need a quick $500,000, but if I did, I would have to make a real judgment about who this person is. Does this voice really belong to a person named Cindy? Does she really have access to all this money? Can she really get it for me right away? Or is this a scam? If Cindy is who she says she is, this may be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me to get out of a financial hole that I found myself in. 
If Cindy is lying, I could lose everything that I have left and be in worse shape. Personally, I don't believe that Cindy is who she says she is or can do what she says she can do. I don't even think the woman's name is probably Cindy. But these scams must work on some people or they wouldn't keep coming our way. We live in a world where we have to constantly assess people to determine if they are who they say they are. And our evaluation of a person will determine whether or not we trust them and get behind them. And in no situation in life is this more critical than with regard to the person of Jesus. Once when Jesus was with his disciples at a place called Caesarea Philippi, he was speaking to them about how people were processing who he was. His ministry had really taken off. He was doing all these miracles and signs and wonders. Uh, masses of people were following him around. But he was having this personal conversation with the 12. And he said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Others say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets of old, come back. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon, because this has not been revealed to you by some human being, but by my father who is in heaven. And he said, on this confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Apart from the belief that Jesus is none other than the Christ, the son of the living God, Christianity has no reason, no foundation for its existence. This is why the apostles were so adamant about trying to convince people to believe, not just that Jesus existed and that he was a pretty smart guy, but that he was the true son of God. John the Apostle, writing his gospel uh, a few decades after the other disciples had written Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he said the whole reason he wrote the gospel of John was to convince people to believe this. He said in John 20, verse 31, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So we Christians, as we live in this unbelieving world, we're trying to continually help the light come on for people about who Jesus is. We want them to see our example, experience our love, and believe our testimony. We want them to become convinced that Jesus was not just a great prophet, a great moral teacher, an important historical figure, but that he was none other than the eternal son of God who came to earth to save us. In our text today, John the Apostle shares three big things that happen to a person when they finally come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, first, when you believe, you are born again. 
Look at verses 1 through 3 again. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Here we see John once again writing in this circular fashion, saying that if we love God, we must obey his commandments to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, specifically to love those who have been born of God or born again. We talked about this last week, and we saw in John chapter 3 how Jesus said that unless a person is born again, born of the Spirit, they can never see or enter the kingdom of God. The first time that we're born, we're born physically through our mother. But this spiritual rebirth comes from the Holy Spirit of God making us alive to God. And there are several places in the scripture which describe this. It says in John chapter 1 verse 12, but to all who believed Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It says in 1 Peter 1, 23, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever, for it comes from the eternal living word of God. Perhaps the best explanation of what happens within us when we are born again of the Spirit comes from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, where God says this in chapter 36, verses 26 to 27. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. That's why John says, when we're born again, God's commandments are no longer burdensome. We have a new heart. We long to follow God's decrees. Our hearts are tender and responsive to the Holy Spirit now. I can remember the day that I experienced this spiritual rebirth. I had started attending church again after taking several years off. I was 22 years old, and I was trying to get my life straightened out. And it was a sunny day, and I was driving in Austin, Texas, and all of a sudden, it made sense to me who Jesus was and what he had done for me. And I believed, and I felt like these invisible chains were falling off. I knew I would never be the same, and I haven't been since. I became a new creation in Christ. Have you had that experience? Have you experienced spiritual rebirth through faith in Jesus and the knowledge of God's forgiveness and the filling of the Holy Spirit? If not, God is knocking on the door of your heart today saying, believe he is my son. He died for you. Put your trust in Jesus today. Number two, John says, when you believe, you overcome the world. Look at verses four and five. 
says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, this verse echoes back to something that Jesus had said to John and others shortly before he was arrested and crucified. He said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What does it mean to overcome this world? Well, this world we live in is filled with all kinds of challenges and setbacks. There's war, disease, discouragement, poverty. To live in this world is to experience beauty, but also heartache, loss, betrayal. Every day we wake up and face challenges all day long. And even if we're able to attain some level of physical health in our life, it'll be hard to maintain that health. And over years, we will experience loss of physical and cognitive health, and we will die. The world will grind us down and we will return to the earth. But Jesus says he overcame the world and we do too. So what happened is that Jesus, the Son of God, became one of us and subjected himself to all the things that we experience in this world and the darkest powers of the universe, Satan himself, conspired with the strongest human powers of the world, the Roman Empire, to crush Jesus at age 33, to overcome Jesus. But three days after he was crucified, his disciples went to the tomb where he had been buried and he wasn't there. The angels said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. And then later, he appeared to his disciples and proved to them that he had risen from the dead and that he had overcome death and sin on their behalf, never to die again. And he appeared to them repeatedly over a 40-day period, giving many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he told them that if they believed, that they would overcome the world the same way and live with him forever in new, glorious, imperishable bodies, just like his resurrection body. So then they went around and they told everyone about this great offer that God is holding out to the world. God sent his son to die for our sins. And then he rose from the grave, overcoming this world. And everyone who repents of their sin and believes in Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, will be forgiven and born again and live forever. So just as Jesus overcame the world, when we latch onto him through faith, we have already overcome the world because in the end, we are guaranteed that we will win. So practically every day as we face challenges, we do it with the knowledge that we've already really overcome them. Since Jesus overcame death and promised that we would too through him, we do our best each day, but we have the awareness that our future is secure and certain.
In verses 6 through 8, John shifts and gives three reasons why we should believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He says there in verse 6, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. So in the Old and the New Testaments, it says that for something to be verified as true, it must have been witnessed by two or three witnesses. And here John is using that to explain how God has given three witnesses to the fact that his son is the son of God. And so commentators agree that the water, the first witness, refers to the testimony that God gave at Jesus' baptism. Look at Matthew's description of this in Matthew 3, 16 through 17. It says, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. God did that very publicly. He told John the Baptist, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend, this is my chosen one. So John the Baptist was shouting out to everybody, this is the one. God verified him from heaven. This is the Son of God. So God gave witness to Jesus as his son at Jesus' baptism. The second witness, he says, is the blood. And this is believed to be a reference to the testimony that God gave about who Jesus was when Jesus died. Look at what God did when Jesus died. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 27. It says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split apart. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. As Jesus died, God brought darkness over the land. God tore the giant curtain in the temple from top to bottom. God brought an earthquake and God split rocks. And the Roman soldiers who'd been previously mocking Jesus and spitting upon him, they understood God was testifying from heaven that the man they had just crucified was the son of God. So the water testifies, the blood testifies, and John says the spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit verified Jesus as the Son of God continually throughout Jesus's life, empowering him to perform miraculous signs and wonders. And then when the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, that was an undeniable confirmation. It says in Romans 1, 3, and 4, the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the Holy Spirit continued 
to prove that Jesus was the Son of God and continues to to this day by performing signs and wonders all over the world every day through his preachers and his ministers and those who pray in his name. Yes, thousands of miracles take place every day as the gospel is going to places where Jesus is not yet believed and God is testifying that Jesus is his son through signs and wonders. And he does all this so that human beings will accept his offer of forgiveness and rebirth by believing in the Son of God. It says in verse 9, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. The inner testimony of the Holy Spirit that John talks about here in verse 9 or verse 10, it was very important to John Wesley. He thought that this was one of the most convincing assurances of our salvation. The Spirit bearing witness within us. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. A final thing that John says we receive when we believe that Jesus is the Son of God is eternal life. This section concludes in verses 11 through 13. He says, this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Friends, God created you and me to live with him forever. When the human race sinned against God, We introduced death and suffering into this world, but God made a way to rescue us. He sent his son to die for us so that through faith in him, we can be forgiven, born of the spirit, adopted into his family, and live forever with him, just as he intended. The older I get, the more I think about this eternal life and what we can expect. And from studying the scriptures, we find at least five elements to this eternal life that we can look forward to. And I don't have time to uh, go into them in depth, but these are the five things the scriptures testify to will be part of eternal life. One, ongoing consciousness. Number two, perfected character. Number three, we will have imperishable bodies. Number four, we'll have a continuation of our earthly relationships with other believers. And number five, consistent peace. Doesn't that sound good? That's what God wants for you and me. And he wants you to know that if you will believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God and accept him as your Lord, then you can have absolute certainty that that is what lies ahead for you. So, friend, if you get a call from an unknown number from a woman named Cindy offering you a $500,000 instant loan, 
I think it's critical that you do not believe she is who she says she is. It could ruin your life. But in terms of believing God's testimony about who Jesus is, it is absolutely that you do believe that he is who he said he is. It is critical. It will change you in this life and guarantee your life for eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your great sacrifice. God, let us believe with all of our hearts that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Let us believe that since we believe that, that we have eternal life. Let us trust in you. Let us know that since you overcame the world, so do we as well, and nothing can separate us from your love. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with confidence and faith today. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us declare together what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.